It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. It's a State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell, back in your life, back in your ear hole, ready for injection with another dose of that unmistakable performance enhancing audio. BC, the voice that you hear back with a little pro wrestling this week. Yes, can it be? I know what you're saying. BC, you left our life. You jacked from pro wrestling what is going on here a lot of those statements are true although you know in retrospect it never really got the chance in an audio format to really tell that tale which i can touch on in a minute but uh no the wrestling pod's not coming back to state of combat we are focusing uh exclusively for the most part on boxing and mma but had a great opportunity this week for an interview that I think really crosses over, and if you haven't seen the incredible series going on Vice TV called Dark Side of the Ring, season two begins this week, and the first episode is a big one, a two-hour special edition on the life and death and really incredibly uh, controversial, polarizing situation surrounding former WWE superstar Chris Benoit, the Crippler. Uh, it's a name you don't hear much for obvious reasons these days, going back to that tragic 2007 double murder suicide but we've got chris jericho wrestling legend of course star with aew former wcw wwe uh future hall of famer stopping by with a very important chat he plays a key role in this show on vice premieres as we record this tuesday night march 24th 10 p.m eastern Really, straight up, a fantastic piece of business that you do not want to miss. Part one of this show has been available on YouTube, but you're going to have to see the full two hours. And we've got Chris Jericho with a very candid and real talk in which he says, for the final time, coming clean on his experience, his friendship with Chris Benoit, the way things ended, why he wanted to come out and do this project and have his voice on the on the record one more time in a and a film that really uh, goes deep in in all all the major players. I, I would get, I would say, with the exception of WWE, who understandably did not take part in this, uh, are part of this. From Chavo Guerrero to Vicky Guerrero, Dean Malenko, uh, the surviving son of Chris Benoit, uh, David. Uh, it's it's a wild show. Chris Jericho's on to tell you about it. Tell you specifically about his friendship with Chris Benoit, about their. Their wrestling legacy, having put on so many classics that don't get talked about much anymore. Also going to tickle the ivories a bit with Jericho. Try to bring up that 2016 SummerSlam backstage incident with Brock Lesnar. Look, I got full respect for Jericho. All right, if the reports are true, he came right at Lesnar after Randy Orton got busted open. Thought it was a work. It was a shoot. Going to ask him about that and more in a special edition right here. But look, overall... The bigger story, of course, is the unprecedented times we are going through in the outbreak of the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, sincerely, from all of us at CBS Sports and State of Combat and the Campbell household, we wish you the best uh, love, support, prayers, all of that. Whether you're just battling boredom at the moment, which so many of us are, or whether you're battling uh, health issues, the virus, someone close to you, or really just the the overall uncertainty and fear of, of potentially losing your job if you're in the service industry. And all that is coming on with it. Look, unprecedented times. We don't know how to react. You know, I'm having great days in which it's family time all day and, and you're sort of just 
pulling away a bit and remembering what's important in life. And I'm at the same time, you know, cracking cold ones at night and, and, and having some, some rough days where maybe you get a little bit too close to the reality and the news cycle and the, you know, the fear and panic that comes in. So wishing everybody well, however and wherever you are battling this, I'm in suburban Connecticut. Uh, things aren't too crazy here, although, of course, we're respecting the quarantine. Uh, I think I've been out to the store once. I got gas once. Uh, caught a lecture from my wife that I should have been wearing gloves. I get it. Look, I get it. I get it. All right. It's probably a little bit different if you're in New York City right now with 8 million people. It's probably, uh, you know, a little different if you're in an apartment building. There's a lot of, uh, scenarios right now and we have much sympathy and love and respect out to everybody going through this. Um, you know, the SOC's always got you covered. We got boxing episodes. We got MMA episodes and throughout this, coronavirus season uh we're gonna hit you up with some fun stuff check out our mixed martial arts edition this week as brandon wise and i not only look at the ufc's reaction to the coronavirus and whether tony habib will actually happen at ufc 249 but really a deep dive into other things that are going on right now not only big time interviews that i recently recorded with the likes of rumble johnson henry cejudo but brandon wise and i are gonna go deep on this netflix stock if you're watching right now tiger king with joe exotic Wow, brother. Wow. It, if you are not watching this, it is, uh, wow. I'm gonna get off by cranking your knob just a little beyond the breaking point. Wow, that is so inappropriate, Hulk. Uh, there's, there's some knob cranking going on. This is a wild show. We're gonna break that down also on the boxing episode this week. Uh, there's not much box to talk about. So, Rafe Bartholomew and I will be joined by Eric Raskin. We're gonna deep dive in all action classic. A fight? No, no. How about Steven Seagal's 1990 marked for death? You remember the Screwface twins? Hope they're not triplets. We're going to go deep on there, have a little bit of fun during these wild times. Hope you will join us on here. Hope you will enjoy the chat with Chris Jericho today and everything surrounding that. Uh, why don't we take a quick pause for the cause and be back on the other end with your boy BC. I'll give you give you a couple wrestling thoughts right now during this season before we throw it to Chris Jericho uh, no, the wrestling pod's not here, but, but BC's here, okay? We're talking combat with Matolo Wrestling on the other end after a pause and a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, all right, dig it. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we're back. Your boy BC, the State of Combat podcast. Chris Jericho to come. The AEW superstar, WWE legend. And talk about the Vice TV Dark Side of the Ring Chris Benoit episode. Wow, you're not going to want to miss that. All right, what's going on here, BC, in this wrestling thing? You broke our hearts. I know. Look, the whole thing, um, it was weird, right? I mean, it was abrupt. It, it was a business decision. It happened. So as you guys know. We were rocking and rolling with the SOC Pro Wrestling Pod. Uh, it had become cumbersome for me in this thriving wrestling boom period right now. Maybe it's the third boom period. We don't really know. But things are happening. It become cumbersome to keep up that incredible, insane schedule of watching and covering and talking about things at such a high level in wrestling when it's not just Raw and SmackDown. It's AEW. It's NXT. It's NWA. It's NJPW. It's all over the place. And simultaneously, not only at the turn of this new year had, you know, boxing and MMA just been exploding. And before the coronavirus stoppage, uh, UFC, MMA coverage, uh, it's like every weekend something major has happened. This had all the makings to be a monster year and hopefully it still will. And boxing, you know, we were, we were right in the, in the husk of that, uh, build toward the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder rematch. We're going to see a third fight potentially later this year. 
And uh, I did was missing episodes. I did overall need a change, need something uh, to adjust this. Covering three sports, not easy. Covering pro wrestling at the level that we were doing, Adam Silverstein and I, Jack Crosby jumping in. Um, you gotta, you gotta be on it all. You gotta be on it all, man. And it was becoming rough. Did I see something like this maybe coming in the future? Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah, I kind of did. It kind of just came out of nowhere and it kind of happened, unfortunately, right after I sort of came back in the mix on my own wrestling show and looked to kind of reboot the format and was really excited about that and was ready to sort of try to mix it up and do my best with smoke and mirrors to stay as deeply involved as I had been while things were blown up in boxing and MMA. Things were blown up in my career at the time as well uh, with the different projects. Hopefully all you guys have checked out what I'm doing every Monday at noon Eastern with Luke Thomas on Showtime's uh, morning combat show on, on, on digital there on YouTube. You're not going to want to miss that from fun boxing mma all that good stuff and of course what we're doing here on the state of combat podcast in boxing and mma sugar rashad evans every week joining us so much good stuff going on that you know like i said i i could could have seen myself taking a step back but the decision was made corporately that i would take a complete step off and away from pro wrestling and i'm gonna be really honest with you as as i always have been in covering wrestling for you guys and with you guys um it's been great i needed it I needed it. I didn't expect it to be that abrupt where it was like starting tomorrow. Our, our business strategy to, to a degree is shifting. Yes, we still cover wrestling at CBS Sports, but certainly not on the level that we did. And, uh, my focus from, from above looking down, uh, you know, was more valuable to be, to be deepened on a, on a deeper level with boxing and MMA. I laid out the reasons why fights, fight season is on fire and, uh, hopefully it will be again later this year. But, uh, you know, it was abrupt. It was right then. Next day. It's over. So didn't get to really say goodbye the way I wanted to. Shout out to Adam Silverstein and Jack Crosby for, for, uh, keeping it afloat until we got the word to end it. But, um, yeah, I didn't want it to end that way. We've had such a great run here, guys. And I appreciate all the listeners and everybody that was here along for the ride and still are still in my DMs. Some people texting me, right? Bob Backlund at Talkbox, my boy, uh, firing uh, messages almost daily to me. Like, you guys are family to me, and I appreciate that. You know, and it's the same way with the boxing and MMA crowd as well. So, uh, what's been going on with your boy BC and wrestling? Um, you know, I, I almost legitimately overnight just stopped watching. Not completely, but uh, it felt great. I needed the break. Uh, the WWE product on SmackDown, as you know, my issues with it was not going in the right direction, still not going in the right direction. I do love me some AEW, and at this point, guys, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back. I don't want to uh, be that guy who says things like that, but, uh, you know, I did see this coming a long time away and was hoping there could be an alternative that got it, that, you know, took a while to get that formula perfect, but man, are they on a roll? And did they get close? And yes, I did have tickets. Four, what would have been tomorrow night, March 25th, AEW, Blood and Guts, Newark, third row seats with my boys, Jamie Mazowskis and Robbie Snyder of CBS Sports. And that unfortunately got postponed, canceled, if you will. It was going to be the real deal war games, the cages, the roof. I mean, you know, shout out to what Triple H and NXT did with war games. But this was going to be the very real deal holy field. And boy, was I fired up. I'm not watching every second of AEW, but I'm... I'm tuning in. I'm I'm hearing word of when things are getting hot, and uh, I love what they're doing. I love what they did in the empty arena last week when WWE seems to not be able to figure that out. Um, so didn't want to pull a Ric Flair and uh, and and a, and a Kurt Henning, so to speak, and do the whole "I told you so." Right? Can't find the sound button. Of course, uh, let's bring in the Miz at least. I told you Thank so. You. I told each and every one of you how this would end. I told you that a revolution was coming, right? Are you guys ready for a revolution? We are, and it's here, and, and I've been it's been joyful to see that, even if I'm not on the regular watching every second or hitting you guys up with audio reaction. Uh the Silver King still is. Please check out his business. Uh check out Jack Crosby's Twitter feed. Hopefully he'll be getting involved in some kind of project moving forward, but uh uh, your boy BC, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy that that happened. And, uh, with WWE proper, I mean, I, I, I've tuned into a few things and wow. I mean, 
Wow, guys, you know, we're, what are we doing here? I want nothing to do with you guys. If you guys want to run this company in the ground, you can do it without me. Wow, wow, I, that's harsh, right? But, uh, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Why don't you just spit it out? Why don't you just talk straight to me and quit beating around the bush? I am. What are you trying to say? Thank you, Hulk. I'm trying to say that uh, SmackDown's not for us. And WWE proper, Raw and SmackDown's not for me. And that's just where it is. I might be back. Look, this is the first time. There's a reason that I've been this type of fan. I can get insanely intense uh, from 84 to 90, from 96 to 99, right? From, uh, you know, name the gaps here, 2015 to to a couple weeks ago. But uh, when Vince is the only product in town, that product has historically uh, become stale. And uh, it's very stale right now. And uh, we're heading into WrestleMania season under such incredible, unprecedented times. And it, it's wild. It really it really is wild right now. Um, you know something, brother? Yeah, what do you got, Hulk? You're crossing the line right now uh, into some real dangerous territory. Not that dangerous, Hulk. Um, you should understand that. But, you know, uh, again, one more time. I-, I don't think I'm wrong here. Going back to the dirty bed sheets. I know you don't want to hear this right now, but I don't think I'm wrong. I felt it. I smelt it. I tasted it. I felt it. I, or I felt it twice, right? Uh, in Brooklyn, in, the, in there, I, I knew something happened at 2018 SummerSlam. We've never been the same since that point. And I know you know that I'm right. So that means you proved me right. They all are right now. All right? Because you're a lion. Right, don't, don't take it too far, Rome. All right? Don't take it too far. But uh, it is what it is, and now we enter WrestleMania season. A lot of people, look, I've been on radio shows, been on Silver King's podcast. A lot of people asking me, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Vince's decision that the show must go on? Uh, look, it's, it's, it's on brand, right? You knew it. You knew it. Dana White's very Vince McMahon-like. And if you've been following the UFC headlines, Dana White is doing anything he can to make sure that the show must go on. It's way it's the way those alphas are wired. No, no one's going to, you know, they've overcome so much in business that nothing's going to stop them. Nothing. So it's not surprising that. So it's not surprising when you think back to Owen Hart perishing in the middle of a pay-per-view and the show went on. And people get mad when they make that comparison, but it's part of WWE lore and history and what they do. Um, but it's one thing to do empty arena raws and smackdowns and throw back to classic matches to fill time. And yeah, parts of it work, right? I, I saw Ed's the other day cutting a sick promo on Randy Orton and the camera zoomed in. I mean, it worked. It worked. Most of it doesn't though. And it shouldn't really. I mean, it's going to work. It has a better chance of working. I, I actually, sorry. Let me, let me, let me rephrase that. I think an empty arena UFC fight has a better chance of working and crossing over to the audience at home, maybe because it's real and it matters, so to speak, than a product where you're so dependent on the crowd, right? Like, let's not forget, before everything was so scripted, and back in the call in the ring days, match, match results would change on the fly if the crowd came out a certain way and, and received what they were seeing. And it's, it's about pleasing those fans. And when that, when the fans can't be there for, obvious and very understandable health reasons man it's hard it's hard to 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 achieve what what honestly AEW did last week put on a compelling product make that hole that obvious gaping hole of no fans no interaction no pop no reaction make it uh, a secondary thought in your mind because of how well they used perimeter people on the outside WWE has not been able to do that and again it's one thing when it's Raw and Smackdown it's a whole nother thing when you're talking about WrestleMania. And uh, I'm not here to applaud Vincent Company for, during these hard times, being the only show in town and making sure the fans still get what they're accustomed to get every every April. Um, I mean, look, it's not, I'm not, you know, like, I just don't see the, the necessarily see the honor in that. They can put on a different event on the date WrestleMania was supposed to happen. And I'd be fine. In fact... They already had been kind of bastardizing WrestleMania from what they were doing in Saudi Arabia, if we're being really honest. But I think this is potentially an awful idea. And yes, I'm going to pause that thought right now and say, I hope these rumors are true that we get some kind of Bray Wyatt, John Cena match we'll never forget under inside of a house or under some weird Bray World circumstances 
Funhouse, you know, Funhouse, all that stuff. I mean, it could that could be something memorable on the level that the backyard brawl, backlot brawl was with Goldust and, and Piper back at what WrestleMania twelve or uh, in ninety six, ninety seven territory. It could be, but overall, uh, you're seeing what's happening in the empty warehouse performance center on Raw and SmackDown, and how it doesn't connect, and now you're going to. <sighs> Do that to your brand, WrestleMania, that you have worked... I mean, the the biggest success, you could say, of the McMahons. Uh, I mean, along with driving their competitors out of business and buying them out and just, uh, you know, evolving with the times to a certain degree and being ahead of the game techno- technologically and all that, uh, setting the standard, all that stuff, right? The greatest success in my mind is what they did to that WrestleMania brand. I mean, 36 years into it. We haven't been inside an arena since WrestleMania 22 in 2006. It's always football stadiums with 70, 80,000 or domes even better. And uh, this has the potential to be a sore thumb WrestleMania. And I know if it is, you'll look back and say, okay, well, that was the coronavirus WrestleMania. Okay, so it is what it is. But at the same time, we haven't really had a sore thumb WrestleMania. We've had some that underachieve weren't that great. I don't look back at 27 with with fun memories, for example. Uh I don't even think I've seen 21. And that may be no disrespect to 21. I, don't, I still don't even think I've seen the whole thing. But the last WrestleMania, and maybe the worst WrestleMania that really stunk as a sore thumb, was the one I turned down going to my senior year in high school, right? WrestleMania 11, Harford Civic Center. Friend, at, shout out to Alex Wakuska. I remember you asked me. You said my dad could get tickets. Do you want to go? I was like, no, get out of here. What are you talking about? I don't want to go to that crap. Get it away from me. I want to go to Pearl Jam, brother, right? That's what I want to go to. And, uh, that WrestleMania is, is cringe. I mean, there's a lot of cringe on there. You could, the business was not good. There's production errors all over. There's weird stuff like Bob Backlund playing chess backstage with Jonathan Taylor Thomas in a weirdly lit room. Um, and my point on this is, uh, WWE has been swinging and missing lately in this empty arena stuff. And now we're going to take the brand, the coveted WrestleMania brand, right? And again, you've already been kind of bastardizing it in Saudi, putting on these giant shows with fireworks and almost uh, suffocating your own WrestleMania storylines to pay it off in Saudi, which, by the way, is unforgivable. And now we're going to do it in a warehouse. Okay, it's two nights, but you're going to do it in a warehouse. And you're going to tape it this week. And there's the potential for spoilers. And some people think, oh, but then they're going to tape alternate endings. So the spoilers don't I don't care about that. I don't want to, number one, I don't want a pre-tape show. And I know you're, okay, say, go ahead, say it, BC, you're not even watching anymore. Yeah, well, well, even when I'm out, guys, and you know this, you're still in on Mania because it has come to, you're trained to understand that it's the show of all shows. It's, in theory, in best practices, the culmination of year-long storyline builds. It's the payoff. It's everything. It's celebrity crossover. It's fireworks. It's Rusev in a tank. It's epic entrances. It's a flyover with airplanes. There's a theme park. Give me the green light at 33 in Orlando. There's like a roller coaster at the top. There's why. I mean, you're just trained to understand that even if you don't care about it anymore and you once did, you're still going to do that one night a year. Check in on the product. See what's going on. Maybe catch an epic match if things are done correctly. And now we're going to do it in a warehouse. Why? Because we have TV output deals we have to serve on. Maybe. Because we want to be the only game in town. Because we want to keep standing on this unnecessary platform that WWE does so often of trying to be so woke and be the leader of certain things. Like, again, it's great that they donate money places and do stuff for Susan G. Coleman. I just don't need those segments in the ring during Raw, right? And I I don't need this to be forced just because they can. And uh, I don't know how they're going to make it work. Will I tune in? Yeah. 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 I'll tune it anyway once a year, even if I'm completely out. And I don't know if I'm completely – yeah, I'm completely out. All right, I'm completely out. You made me say it. But uh, this feels like a uh, – feels like a mistake, and I hope it's not, all right? I hope it's not apologies afterwards. Apologize, you son of a bitch. Wow, wow, wow Vince, wow. Um, but uh, I, I just feel like – okay, then, then what do you do here? I feel like you wait a couple months. We don't know if by June 1st the world goes back to normal. The statistics are telling us no, but – Maybe by June 1st, you see NBA arenas filled again. Maybe by June 1st, fight schedules are back on. Maybe, or maybe by June 1st, you know, arenas can be half filled. I don't know. I just think like that's the time to delay it or, com- 
or do a Super SummerSlam. I mean, I guess you can do a Super SummerSlam anyway this year. I just don't want WM36 to go down in the books in a warehouse. But that's me. That's me. All right? Hey, no no delaying this any longer. We got the great Chris Jericho. And uh, no, this isn't a, a, a interview necessarily about all the great stuff he's doing in AEW, which he is, as Le Champion, as the Bubbly, as all that stuff. Uh, this is a focus on, on his friendship with Chris Benoit, the legacy of this man wrestling-wise, which, of course, has been so tainted by the unavoidable, uh, I want to say, you know, very avoidable, in hindsight, tragedies, it seems, of 2007, double murder-suicide, Benoit gone, seven-year-old son gone, his wife gone, and uh, we still don't have answers. And uh, shout-out to Vice TV, who has done an incredible job with this two-hour uh, show that debuts tonight, Tuesday, March 24th, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's Dark Side of the Ring, Season 2, Episode 1, and it is spectacular. And yes, talking about Chris Benoit is a very polarizing topic. You can't say that name, those words anymore on WWE TV. Uh, most podcasts don't even say it. I always said it because the guy's part of history. I feel like you can't take that away. I know you're maybe you listen and say, yeah, you can't take it away. We did for rightful reasons. I just feel like there is a separation there. No, we don't see O.J. Simpson highlights all the time of the Heisman Trophy uh, run at UFC and the 2,000 yards in a season but uh, in the NFL, but it's it's tough. It's The whole thing is tough, and I was happy they were able to get the majority of the powers that be together. Chris Jericho coming on now to talk about it. Uh, it's a good chat. You're going to like it. Enjoy. All right, always great to chat with Chris Jericho and, of course, Dark Side of the Ring Season 2 coming to Vice TV Tuesday, March 24th, a special two-hour episode at 9 p.m. Eastern. And, Chris, it's all about the tragic story of Chris Benoit, your longtime friend and certainly co-wrestler. Uh, obviously not a, you know, topic that you'd be jumping to the head of the line to uh, get in front of here to revisit his 2007 murder-suicide but this is such an important wrestling story. Why did you want to be a part of this project? Well, I think um, I, I was involved just by proxy of, of, of who was involved. I mean, um, Chris and, and Eddie were very good friends of mine. And the whole story kind of revolves around their friendship, which I was a big part of. And I think the the right people were involved making the, the piece. Um Chavo Guerrero contacted me and asked me if I wanted to be involved. And he had a great point in saying, you know, if we don't do this story properly, uh, somebody else will. And it needs to be done right. And I think once he explained that, I agreed to, uh, with him. And I told him, I do whatever you want me to do. Let's do it. So that's kind of how it went. And we, um, you know, once I got involved and Dean Malenko's involved and then Sandra, Nancy's sister and David, Chris's son, and suddenly you have, this huge cast of characters that have never really told the story of how they felt and what they went through uh, around this time frame. So that to me was the reason why I wanted to be a part of it because all of my friends were doing it for the right reason. And we were telling the story that needed to be told the right way. Is it the happiest of stories? Absolutely not. Uh, is it very heavy and hard to watch in a lot of ways? Yes, but at least it was done right and done by the right people. And it's just so incredibly raw and real and emotional in so many ways. And, and it's hard, Chris, and you, you certainly nailed this during the episode of separating the, the, the crime and the memories from, from the man, you know, who did, who did so much good in his time separated from how we remember him. Uh, look, you worked with him. I just watched his WrestleMania 17 match just last night, randomly enough, with Kurt Angle. And you look at how amazing he was as a performer. Not easy to separate that from the story, but what was it like working with him inside the ring compared to the other greats that you've been with? Uh, definitely one of uh, one of the best, you know, and one of the best uh, of all time. Um, very intense in the ring. Uh, very smart in the way he put together matches and, and uh, just, just a really great, um, great, great performer all across the board. Uh, really kind of harnessed his character in WWE and became this uh, Clint Eastwood type of guy. So uh, he really was uh, a huge, uh, a huge 
uh, influence on me, absolutely, as as a performer and one of the greatest of all time, for sure. How are you? How does it sit with you being so close to this uh, to see him essentially removed from the history books by WWE? Is that understandable in your eyes or, or is that something that becomes almost an unnecessary next step? Um, well, I mean, how could it not be? You know what I mean? It's just like kind of OJ's accomplishment on the field. I mean, to me, because I'm so close to everything and also having some of the greatest matches of my career with Chris Benoit, matches that can never be really seen again uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I understand why people might not want to watch watch him. I also understand why people might want to watch him because, like I said before, if you didn't know anything personally about him or, or weren't really involved in all these things that happened, you might uh, want to study uh, his work. And as you should as, as a young performer uh, that didn't really know the whole situation. Um, so I have no problems either way. I understand both sides of the coin. There's close friends of mine that, that, that did not want to watch uh, this, this documentary. And, and I understand that, you know, if you don't want to watch it and it's too tough to see, that's fine. Um, if you uh, uh, think it's too heavy to watch it and, and, and don't like the vibe that it gives you, then, then don't, but it really is a great piece of work done very well. Uh, by the right people, like I said. Uh, Lost in the tragedy in a lot of ways is what you identified in the show that Nancy Benoit, or woman, uh, almost gets erased along with that. You've worked alongside Nancy, and and she was such a a standout performer in the role she played as a, as a valet, if you will. Uh, how strong was the wrestling mind of Nancy? I, I can't tell you that because I didn't work with her in that capacity. I can tell you that I think she's a great performer, though. I think she was great at what she did. Um, and I think she had a Hall of Fame-worthy career as kind of being one of the pioneers for that role in wrestling. You know, valet, manager, personality, whatever it is you might want to call call her. So I think that when um, you, you uh, marginalize her life uh, and define it by the way it ended, I find that very unfair, uh, not just to her as a person, but to her as a performer. So I think that's one of the things that, that I would love to see at some point. And I'm, you know, we kind of discussed it in Dark Side of the Ring and I've done podcasts on it, it was a little bit more of her as, as a performer and not just as a victim. I think that's very important for people to understand that she did have a huge career in the wrestling business, uh, before she met Chris Benoit. And that's one of the reasons why they met in the first place, because she was in the business at a very high level. Uh, indeed. No, no question about it. Uh, was there any part of this process, uh, you know, sitting down to be part of the show, watching the finished episode of Dark Side of the Ring, Chris Benoit, that surprised you? Did you learn anything? Did, did any um, emotional change happen within you going through this process? I mean, the thing that I, that I, if you want to say learning something was, I thought that it was very interesting to hear everybody's perspective. You know, you had a lot of people that I'd never spoke with this about. You know, obviously Chavo and I had spoke about this in depth, but Vicky Guerrero, never really heard her side of it. And hearing, you know, Sandra's side and David's side and, and, you know, some kind of some of the facts and figures. So there's a lot of different things that, that you learn by watching this. Um, what did I learn from myself? Nothing because I'd been through this a million times before and if you go through the books that i've written uh the podcast that i've done i've spent a lot of time kind of getting the closure and deciding overall just how i feel about everything so to me it was just telling my story probably for the last time on this subject because once you've talked about it on audio and you've written about it now it's on video so to speak with you know television i don't think there's really much more to say so I think that I'm glad that I was able to kind of go through it and come to terms with it and let everyone know my perspective of it. Because uh, it's been 12, 13 years and nothing's changed. There's no like, I didn't wake up one day and go, oh, I understand it all now. We'll never understand it. We'll never know why this happened. Uh, we'll never know what the reasons were for it happening. We can speculate. We can come up with our own theories, but none of us will ever know for sure. And that won't change two years after, 12 years after, 22 years after, et cetera, et cetera. So, to me, there was really nothing more to learn from my standpoint, but I found it very interesting to hear other people's perspectives, um, especially on film. 
because when you're talking, you know, be, between each other, that's a whole different kind of attitude and a different vibe of what you're going to get when you know you're actually on tape, uh, laying it down on the record, so to speak. Chris, your name historically, uh, especially in the start of your career, always going to be remembered and linked with the names that we already mentioned, the Chris Benoit's, the Eddie Guerrero's, the Dean Malenko's, for the impact you guys had back when you were considered smaller men in the business, when the business was at a different point. Is there one match, two matches, that if people don't know the backstory, the great work you've all done together, that encapsulates the uh, impact the four of you had in the late 90s? Well, I mean, there's quite a few of them. If you're talking about the 90s, I mean, the, the match that I had with Ben while they actually show uh, quite a few clips from, they say it's from New Japan, but it's actually from from a tournament that we did in, in the, the company's called WAR. That was from December of 95, Super J Cup. That was a great match. I think uh, Jericho and Guerrero as a team versus Haku and Barbarian from about 98 is insane. Uh, we also had a great match at one of the fall brawls or something like that but i think the epitome of 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 matches with chris i never worked eddie much in wwf for whatever reason we just were always on different shows that's when they split raw and smackdown and we just never worked but i worked a lot with benoit and there's probably a dozen matches from there but the ones that stand out was the, the latter match from royal rumble i believe 2001 the tlc3 from anaheim but the one that comes to, to mind, which people have said is, is the best Raw match of all time, uh, was Jericho and, and, and Benoit versus Steve Austin and Triple H for the WWE Tag Team titles, which I believe was in 2001. It was actually the day before the TLC3, and that's the one where Hunter tore his quad. That's one of the best matches you'll ever see, uh, in my opinion, and it's one of the best matches you'll, you'll never see because of uh, because of, of Chris's involvement in it, but if you can find that one and watch it through, it's unbelievable. Chris, uh, such a crossover always between mixed martial arts and wrestling and the fandom. Your new finisher, the Judas Effect, really plays into that. What was the origin in you making the switch to that? Uh, yeah, I started doing some uh, um, MMA training just to try and change up my training style. I found I was getting caught in a rut. Uh, just becoming complacent, going through the motions. So I started going down, doing some MMA training with a coach. And one day we we were really getting into the groove, and he said something like, "I do a back elbow," and I did it. And I was like, "Hold on a second, let me just let's just stop for a second. Let me just think about this." And I said, "You know, we tried this a couple times, and that's when I said I can do this as a finish. I mean, I can do this where it's the best finishes are ones that you can do to anybody." The, to you know the big show or to Marco stunt everybody in between and I thought this is a perfect uh, perfect next step for me joining AEW and everything's completely new and I've, you know you get new names with champion a little bit of bubbly and a new look and now a new finishing move and it's also one where I was like I do all these moves and you know you get to the point where you have people kick out of them and this is a move that no one will ever kick out of when I hit it you know that it's the finish of the match. Uh, end of story. So that all kind of tied together to really working on this. And, and thanks to Kenny Omega for being the first guy to take it and, and, you know, stay down for it. And now we've come up with this, you know, really cool finisher that I can hit out of nowhere. And it gets more and more devastating uh, the more I use it because that's when you're really figuring out how to do it. Uh, Chris, to close here, it's been great talking to you. Dark Side of the Ring on Vice TV I think we love this show so much because it always reinforces that the best stories, the most compelling ones in pro wrestling are normally the real ones that happen behind the scenes. 2016 SummerSlam, Lesnar, Orton, afterwards in Gorilla, there's a skirmish. I've never had more respect for you than reading those rag sheets and hearing you stood up to Brock. What happened, Chris? This is a ballsy move. This This is a shoe, brother. You need a lot more than uh, 30 seconds to answer that one. So I'll let the legend stand and let uh, the speculation continue on. Did he kiss you on the forehead, though, Chris? You got to give us that. I don't remember. Is that what the report said? That Maybe is. Maybe I kissed him. I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great chatting with you, Chris. Everyone's going to check out Tuesday, March 24th, the Chris Benoit two-hour season premiere of season two of Dark Side of the Ring on Vice TV. Best of luck in the future, Chris. 
Thanks, man. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Special thanks to Chris Jericho. I know what you're saying, guys. Like, it was just about to get good. And then Chris pulled the ripcord because he knew he could with 30 seconds left in that interview, not giving us the juice that we need, that we deserve from that Lesnar situation, which Chris has talked very briefly about historically, either on his own podcast or on different radio interviews. Um, understandably didn't want to get into a lot of detail in the past, but did sort of, sort of set the stage of what may have happened. And look, just full disclosure on this interview, uh, shout out to the, uh, to the, to the PR folks extendedly that work with Vice for setting that up, but that was supposed to be a longer interview. Little snafu with the call-in number, the code wasn't working. Finally got on the horn only to find out after losing a couple minutes with the snafu that they're, that, you know, halfway through the interview, I found out they're pulling another five minutes because of how tight time was and the block was. So I appreciate them going the extra mile to get him to me after some rescheduling, but, uh, that got that got shortened much, much thinner and tighter than it would have been, it could have been, should have been. I had much more planned on uh on his incredible twenty nineteen at age forty nine to basically be the wrestler of the year on competing with Vince head to head on other things that luckily he's got a great podcast, uh Talk is Jericho that he touches on a lot of this stuff. But yeah, I wanted to corner him and get his thoughts on Brock. He punted. He punted in that situation. Uh, I was also, there was also a, look, it can happen in interviews and you have to decide whether you want to go forward. There were, there was a sort of, uh, uh, mention that there would not be talk about coronavirus and how that affects the AEW schedule. And as a journalist, you then take that information and go, okay, do, do I, does this, do I still want the interview? Yes, of course I still want the interview, right? I, I wasn't necessarily even going to go in that direction, but, uh, that's why you didn't hear anything of that talk. But, uh, that Brock situation is look dark side of the ring. I love this show so much. That first season was great. Bruiser Brody, the Von Eriks, Gino Hernandez, all these great in-depth stories, big moments you never heard before, right? The inside players there. And it's all done with non WWE folk at the moment. So you're, you're not getting a, a alternate version. If you will, you're getting the real deal. From those that lived it. And season two looks to be tremendous. Uh, we got, I can't wait for that Herb Abrams episode to come up. I don't know if you saw that run in the early nineties, Herb Abrams ad when he relaunched the UWF, not the original, uh, Cowboy Watts UWF that, that Jim Crockett bought, but the, the, the bootleg one and brought in all those aging old wrestlers and, uh, drugs and mayhem and an untimely death for Herb, uh, proceeded. Those used to replay on ESPN about 10 years ago, and while working there overnights at the time, would watch it every week, and it's awful, and it's, uh, there's some good matches in there, by the way. There's, they bladed the crap out of that promotion. I don't know if people remember the Dr. Death Steve Williams Paul Orndorff feud from there, but it's fan, they bladed, and that was intense. Uh, can't wait for that show. This Chris Jericho one, or, I'm sorry, Chris Benoit one might be the best, but, uh, I hope one day we get an episode on things like this, this, this backstage fight. So set the stage quick. It was 2016 SummerSlam. I'm sure you remember that main event. Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. It's what? Less than a month after Brock made that return at UFC 200. Uh, they did a very MMA-like ending. I don't know if you remember the culture at that time, okay? That was the summer when Conor McGregor was talking trash about WWE at every turn. And we're like, oh, is he going to come to WWE for WrestleMania? And he's saying they're all wimps and sissies. They're not real fighters. It's not real. And then suddenly Vince books this shoot to end the main event of WrestleMania where Lesnar basically goes full mount on Orton in a pro wrestling match, lands some stiff, short elbows purposely to cut him open, but cuts him open bad. Orton pulls a pile of blood on the on the canvas. The match is called the TKO. Crowd is not really knowing what to do. I was in that crowd, and I have to say, love that finish because it was the opposite of what modern-day WWE does, right? It was one of those finishes that you're just like, wow, was that real? Was that fake? What do I do with this? How do I digest this? What does this mean for the storyline? This is wild. This is crazy. And then we know what happened next. Uh, Chris Jericho, thinking it was a, 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 a shoot, runs back. If you read the reports, Ryan Satin was reporting on that time from Pro Wrestling Sheet. Dave Meltzer, and you put all those reports together and you sort of seem to find out that allegedly Jericho was protecting his boy, Randy Orton. They go back a long way. 
got in Brock's face, was swearing, going crazy. Uh, Va- Brock pushes him. Jericho gets back in his face and is ready to go throw down. And by the way, Jericho's always been a tough little guy. Jericho's dad played in the NHL back in the days when fighting was a main part of it. Uh, I don't doubt that. Yet I was at the same time surprised and, and enthused that he did that. The reports were that Vince runs in, swears at Jericho for being unprofessional, tells him it's a damn work. Like, wake up. And then there's that other rumor that Brock kissed Jericho on the forehead and then said some very incendiary things to him and challenged him on. And Jericho came on and then it was broke apart. And it's wild, and I love it. And uh, I don't care what you think about that, because I love it. Of course you love it, right? This is Brock Lesnar's bitch. No, only he wasn't, Paul. He wasn't Brock Lesnar's B. Uh, he stood up to him. So, uh, unfortunately, we ran out of time and didn't get that. But look, the overall hook of this interview, of course, was Chris Benoit. He's a great wrestler. Guys, he's a fantastic wrestler, and I don't think we have to forget about him. What happened was absolutely awful. As the documentary will show you, yes, it, you have to believe that CTE, prolonged steroid use, did play a major role. Although, you know, I can understand everyone on the record not really wanting to say, well, that's the only reason. It's not that easy to just bail him out and say that. You know, I mean, we've seen it like a tragedy, like a junior Seau, but he didn't extend it to taking out member of his, of his family. Look, it's a dark, complicated situation. I just don't like that we, we, we can't talk about it. I just watched WrestleMania 17. I, th- I think some of you saw that. We sent out a leak on, on Twitch on social media on Sunday night. Me and a couple, Nicostos was there, a couple ex, couple guys from CBS Sports. And, uh, we, we did a live watch of that. And you're watching Benoit and Angle and it's incredible. And I grew up watching Dynamite Kid who was ahead of his time. He was doing the Japanese style in WWF proper in 85 and 86 and killing his body. And he ends up in a wheelchair because of it. And Benoit's watching him and going, I need to be that guy. And from snaps, new suplexes to everything stiff to that quick working style, the intensity, the perfectionism. I mean, he was the real deal. He was everything. And that WrestleMania 20 moment with Eddie was incredible after that main event. And a big part of this Dark Side of the Ring documentary focuses on the importance of that friendship for Benoit and how much Eddie's death may have contributed to that downward spiral. And, um, you know, no one's on here defending Benoit, but uh, I'd love to see Nancy Benoit woman be celebrated and added back into history because this certainly isn't her fault, right? Get in the WWE Hall of Fame, be added back into the mix. And I also think, it's a controversial take. I think WWE shouldn't avoid mentioning Benoit's name. I don't think you always have to ask, add the asterisk of the murder. I don't think you always have to or ever have to uh, overly say his name in a positive light. But at the same time, I don't think you take him off of posters. I don't think you avoid that. Easy for me to say, right? It's not my company where my employee did that. But uh, it's also history. And Benoit played a big role in history. And then what with what happened, he played an even bigger role in history and uh like jericho says in the film uh you know wrestling was the only thing that chris benoit ever truly truly loved and he almost killed it by what happened he almost killed the business and that's is it hyperbolic well no go back to 2007 look at the couple years that followed that for wwe look at the s storm that surrounded that time period when wrestlers were dying left and right wasn't a great creative time period. Wasn't a great financial time period. Uh, in terms of mainstream headlines, pro wrestling was like, get it away from me. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I think this film does such a great job, uh, showing the good in Chris Benoit and then not flinching and showing you the bad and, and getting everybody's take. So shout out to everybody there. Shout out to Chris Jericho for joining us. Shout out to you, the listener. For getting back on the train here one more time. Uh, what's the future of the SOC Wrestling? No, we're not doing a, a weekly or monthly wrestling podcast. If I get an opportunity at the kind of big name interviews that cross over, of course, uh, I'd love to. I'd love to keep doing this and, and, and bring it to you guys. For me, especially the, the veterans, the old schoolers that uh, have larger stories to tell than just, uh, you know, the current product of wwe and the creative and on the road and all that stuff and no disrespect to any of those guys i mean look, that's the best part of the job i've been blessed 
since 2016 when I helped launch the ESPN.com WWE page, right along the time that John Coachman was doing such a great job on SportsCenter fighting to get some WWE coverage to mainstream it a little bit more. And you see where we are now with ESPN picking up rights to old WrestleManias and playing it during coronavirus season. And could that lead to the rumors that you hear that WWE pay-per-views go off the WWE network and on to ESPN plus would not be surprised. And the run that I had back in the beginning of that in 2016, uh, getting to be backstage covering the big event. I mean, it's been incredible doing cheap heat, doing in this corner, doing state of combat, uh, getting the best part of that run is interviewing these, these superstars as Steph would say, but um, I have so much respect for them. Their stories, their performers, their journeys, the, uh, you know, I'm in love with that real life personal journey that they go through of climbing the ladder in their profession and having the moments they believe they can have when they're not, you know, when politics don't get in the way. It's no different than you at your insurance company. You think you should be the regional manager. They keep overlooking you. You you, you come back and you retool and you try it again. And uh, sometimes you leave the company like Cody and you start something new. Okay. You start a revolution. Sometimes that happens. So uh, Jericho's a part of it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, State of Combat listeners. Follow us at State of Combat. And please, folks, um, find, try to find the silver lining right now. And it's so much easier said than done. If your paychecks aren't coming in, if you're ill, if you're a healthcare worker and your facility is overwhelmed, uh, this is not an easy time. This is unprecedented in many, many ways. But uh, find the good Nick. Cling close to those who love you that can be around you. Uh, take the dogs for a long walk, all right? Get out there, enjoy. Watch some Netflix stuff. Watch the the uh, the, the Tiger King there. And um, and listen to the State of Combat podcast. Check out Morning Combat every Monday. There is some good out there, okay? And I hope to be a part of that with you each and every week. Uh, that's it, folks. All right? Uh, in these parts, we do say we got two words in a minute. Interview. Interview's over. It's over, you stand It's done. over. So uh, the only two words left to say... Oh, yeah. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.